Hi, Amy. Lovely to meet you. Hi, very nice to meet you. And and you are Amy Conroy, and you currently work at Mishkondorea. What do you do there, Amy? Um, I am a data scientist here, focusing primarily on the practice of law data. Okay, so how did you get to that stage of life? Yeah, it's a bit of a winding path. So I studied law at Bristol Uni, and then I became interested in legal tech, still kind of thinking I'd go down the solicitor route, um, potentially as a tech solicitor. And then I did a master's in computer science, fell in love with coding. Um, but then I went and worked at a legal tech document automation company as a legal engineer, mostly doing customer service for about a year and a half. And then this opportunity arose at Mishcon, and it kind of combines both of my degrees and what I love to do. Wow, I'd love to hear more about the role at Mishcon, but just for a moment, could you tell us what is a legal engineer? What does that person do? Yeah, I think it varies a lot between different companies. Um, at my last job, it was a document automation startup, as I mentioned. So it was primarily being the touch point for our various different clients and helping them to launch document automation in their companies. Um, that included designing specific solutions for different use cases. And I also scoped a lot of our integrations with other um, tech platforms such as document management systems. Okay, so when we're automating documents, we're allowing a number of different users and collaborators to come together on the document to use it in a really intelligent way and create one document that everyone can amend and adopt all the time. Yes, absolutely. It was basically the analogy we always used was Google Docs for, for contracts, so you can have that collaboration aspect. But with loads and loads of securities, presumably. Yeah, you can lock your document to your side, your, your party, and then send it off um, okay. to the other side. Right. So is that the sort of work you're doing for Michigan Dorea as well? No. So now I'm I'm looking at how can we start collecting all of the data we have around the cases that we're working on, um, mostly with the goal of helping our clients win, helping our lawyers win their cases, but also just providing more insight into the type of work that we do. So jurisdictions we work in, what we're most successful in, and eventually 10, 15 years down the line, start to predict things such as the outcome or how long a case might take. Well, that's really interesting, isn't it? So the use of data in a predictive way, and you're you're putting your name to the fact that you think this will be in general use in ten or fifteen years' time. We'll quote you on that. Amy. <laughs> I think I think it'll definitely be um, in place in a way that that our fee earners and our lawyers can start using it to help them gain insights. Mm. Um, but our our first goal is very much looking at how can we help them start to search through the data because it's not really that easy, all of that information there. So answering something such as the client did ask, how long is this going to take you? Lawyers have to go off of what cases they worked on before. But mm. now if we can give them the data so that their answers are actually, you know, backed by information, then then that's so much more powerful. Okay. And that's fascinating, and particularly to me, because on this program uh, of around creating research, uh, creating innovation, um, we are working with quite a lot of students. So actually, we're talking about this happening in their working lifetimes. Um, so when they're by the time they're kind of 40, we think that this could be pretty, a pretty mainstream for some firms. Yes, I think so. Definitely. Um, that first stage of lining up because we have all these various different tech systems in our firm and there's so much data being generated from those if you think about so obviously lawyers they have to time record mm -hmm. so there's all this information about how long they're spending at various different phases for their case 
but we're not really using or leveraging that data to start to think about things such as how much is this going to cost? Because if we can start using that data, um, again, it can be data-backed insights into our cases. Now that, that's really, really interesting. Um, and so here you are, I think you're kind of six years postgraduate, right? You graduated six years ago, is that about No, right? it was three years ago, actually. You graduated three years ago. Yes. Okay, you, sorry, you told me earlier you've been in the UK six years. Yeah. So you're only three years since you graduated and you've already got this all this amazing experience under your belt. Um, and you've done something else, haven't you? You've set up um, something that can help other people get involved in this innovation story. And what's that? Tell me about that, Amy. Yeah, so I'm one of the co-founders and directors of Law School 2.0. Um, we are a legal tech education community um, bringing together various different law students, legal professionals, legal tech professionals to think about how can we start actually learning what legal tech is and how can we learn in such a way that we can go into law firms, identify problems, um, identify efficiency issues, and then solve those problems in, a, in an impactful way um, rather than just because I think there was a trend, especially during COVID, where a lot of people, a lot of firms were just buying tech and then they didn't end up using it because it wasn't solving a problem that their firm had. Um, so we run things such as yearly, we run the legal tech, our, our legal tech vacation scheme. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a five day initiative where we're teaching our, our curriculum, which is problem solution adoption. So problem framing, solution creation, and then you know, rolling out your solution. Mm -hmm. How do you get people to use it? And then we run um, an idea sprint after that. So giving students and attendees that practical experience to actually take what they've learned and then use it to address a problem statement that we give them. That's fascinating. So can anyone join in there? Yeah, it's open to everyone. A big thing for us is accessibility mm -hmm. um, because when we started, my other co-founder, Nathan, he had started a legal tech society at his university up in Aberdeen. Mm. Um, but I didn't have that same opportunity at Bristol. There was no legal tech society. And that's something we noticed in there were some gaps in the way or uh, in what was accessible to us mm. to start learning about legal tech at an early stage. So we wanted to make this free, open to everyone. And we currently run our legal tech vacation scheme online um, so that people around the world can join but we also do run in-person events primarily in London. Okay that's fascinating and I think you've already had two vacation schemes run haven't you? Yes. I think you were a bit blown away by the numbers weren't you? Yes yes so our first year we had to cap it at 350 attendees because we had limited budget in the first year <laughs> and then last this past summer um, we hit 700 registrants so doubled the numbers um, and we were really impressed. And I think when we first started, we thought it would be primarily just law students, but we were blown away by the number of people who worked in legal techs, who worked in law firms and you know the senior people that were coming forward because they saw this as really valuable education. That's, that's fascinating because one of the things I'm really keen on is a kind of intergenerational approach here. There's no shame in not knowing about legal tech or feeling that it's accessible to you no matter what stage of your career you're at because it's not been mainstream and the pandemic's given it a boost but as you say a lot of that's been a little bit kind of wrong-headed because it's just been buy something quick um so yeah fascinating you're bringing those different generations together with your program how does how do people find out about it 
Um, so if you subscribe to our mailing list on lawschool 2 zero.com mm-hmm. uh, you are able we'll notify you about all of the events that we run we also take part in ad hoc events as well which you can see on our social media and um, we love collaborating with universities and other institutions mm-hmm. and then we are currently working on an online course which will be launch- launching early next year so that everything that we teach as part of the vacation scheme will also be available online on demand completely for free as well that's amazing. What a fantastic offer. That will surely give the agenda a big boost, won't it, if people can access that for free. And the great thing about it is it's generated by people who are of a very similar age to, to the, a lot of students and who really know what it's like to try and fathom what the hell this scene's about. It's really yeah. interesting. So you are, here you are with all of your three years of legal experience uh, now, Amy. Um, you've already talked really interestingly about data what do you think in this for the clients, Amy? I think there's so much value and actually specifically if I'm looking at it from the data science side, being able to understand the the opportunities that the law firm can provide. Um, so such as, you know, are they actually going to help me win this case? Have they done this much or this many types of the applications that I'm looking at? But I think the other side of it, too, if we're looking at different legal tech products that we're bringing in, is it's a more efficient experience. There's a smoother client experience and you're potentially saving money in the long run if your lawyer is able to do things a lot faster, if they're addressing these efficiency issues. And I think a lot of what drove the legal tech um, boom was the fact that clients started asking, well, you know, why is this taking you this much longer if this law firm's quoting me significantly less because they're using these tech tools? Mm-hmm. And and I'm just interested because you're coming at this, as you said, very much from the tech side of things. We hear quite often that human skills are crucial in this innovation agenda. What would be your comment on that when you're coming to this with really, you said you love coding, you know, um, so we, we, we know that this is something that really speaks to you. But what about the human side of things? Yeah, and it, it's interesting when we were talking um, or earlier when you mentioned, you know, is this going to uh, take over, you know, not necessarily a lawyer's job, but is this going to be a really great opportunity for outcome prediction and things such as that to come in and pave the way? I really think human skills come first and all of the tech that we have and we're bringing in is there to, again, improve the client's experience, but also just provide insight to the lawyer. So in my data science team, our fee earners in the firm are our clients. And then what we do is we're just servicing them to give them the tools that they need to take them and give the clients ultimately a better experience. Because again, data-backed insights, but we also build various different products um, depending on the needs in the firm too. So when you talk about um, the, the client experience, we're talking about that smoothness, that efficiency, but and also that opportunity for the, the human involved in it to really finesse the experience of interacting with the firm, as opposed to having to go through the sort of nuts and bolts um, and and that all the, the clock ticking all the time on all of that. Okay, so so what what would you recommend to someone who's curious about innovation? I think I know the first thing that you're going to say. <laughs> Definitely check out Law School for now. <laughs> of course, <laughs> are interested, and stay tuned for our online course. Um, but there's plenty of great resources out there. You know, the Legal Technologist springs to mind, Automated, those types of websites. But I'd also really recommend just looking at what other industries are doing, because I think the legal industry is trying to play catch up. And that's mm-hmm. that's a bit of the reason that 
I think we're finding our feet within legal tech. You see how many startups there are. And we really we're entering this phase now where I think we're going to start consolidating all of the various different legal texts that we have mm-hmm. um, and start to think about how do they interact together. Um, but a lot of that is driven by what we see in other industries. And what we're teaching at Law School 2.0 too, one of the main goals there was we wanted it to be tech agnostic. So you should be able to go into any firm and be able to de- develop a solution because a lot of it is just process improvement. It's not necessarily buying a subscription to something. Mm-hmm. It's about streamlining the process. So absolutely have it look at things such as project management, um, courses online, stuff like that. And also, again, what other industries are doing. Mm, fantastic advice. And Amy, just finally, what, what's next for you? Um, well, working on our course for Law School 2.0, which is very exciting. We're currently working with all of our various different lectures um, and excited to keep building our community. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Amy. Thanks so much for your time today and good luck in all you do. And uh, and I really can't wait to, to do the Law School 2.0 course myself. I shall, I shall be your first signer. Excellent. Thank you very much for having me.